Zakawani, the flying winger. Oh, goodness me! He doesn't need anybody, Steve Zakawani! Steve Zakawani was never fun <laughs> to stick up against. Was it for Zakawani? None is possible. It's Steve! It's Steve! <laughs> this is so weird. Steve Zakawani! What's up, everyone? Steve Zakawani here. We are back winging it with Zakawani. And it's a new year, a new season. A lot's happening this off-season, obviously. All around the league, teams made trades. There were some blockbuster trades. We'll see more more of that in MLS. The new CBA came around, but we're going to focus on the Sounders. Lost some very key players, made some signings. You know, I have some thoughts on that. Was it good? Was it bad? That's what the off-season's about. It's about making signings. And we had to get involved in the action. Maybe the biggest off-season signing took place on this podcast. I don't want to say too much, but going forward, we've signed a DP podcaster to join. We'll use some allocation and time and gam, and we'll be much better going forward. So stick tight, stay tuned, because this year, it won't just be Steve Zakawani. We've brought in some help, club legend, club icon. Overlapping is Zakawani. Low cross comes in. It's a chance and a goal! Brad Evans has scored! Their first decent move of the match. Wonderful football. Zakawani with the assist. Evans ghosting into the penalty area. A low right foot. Side-footed shot under sights and into the net. That's right. And I'm not talking regular recurring guest. I'm not talking bit part player. I'm talking full regular 50-50 co-host. He's back home with the Sounders family. You saw that announcement. And he's also going to be with us on the podcast going forward. Brad Evans. What's good? Welcome, man. Did I call it Pam? It's Pam now. <laughs> it's podcasting <laughs> allocation money. <laughs> and we used it all. We used our discretionary Pam we to bring it all. Brad in. So exciting, man. So much stuff to talk about. I think the only place to start, though, is the game last night. I mean, I watched it. I'm sure you watched it as well. Um, if I woke up today, if I didn't watch it and saw the score was 2-2, I think it's a great score. Of course. Looking at it, though, if you're 2-0 up, you have to, I think, find a way to win the game. I don't know what you thought about that. But it's soccer. That's what we say, right? Yeah. If, if you'd have told the team beforehand, hey, we're going to go in, we're going to be on the road for two weeks, our first game of the year is going to be against this tough opponent who we've had history with, and you're going to get out with two away goals, you're going to tie, and it's going to be a difficult game. But you, you'd be happy with that. You'd say, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that off the shelf. Were you surprised that we got out to a 2-0 lead? Because I thought, well, first of all, first 10 minutes, I thought Olympia looked really bad. I thought they looked really bad. Take away nothing from the sounders. I thought Olympia didn't know what they were doing. They looked really bad. And then their tactic was just pump a million crosses into the box, make it really hard, and they looked a lot better. Um, yeah, did the start surprise you at all, just how fast the sounders started? Though? Yes, yeah, I did for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I thought they looked really good from the beginning. Um, and like you said, I think Olympia was a little bit shell-shocked. Yeah. I think on the stage, like they're moving stadiums. they got to go to a new yeah, stadium. Yeah, More fans. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, the stage was set for them, and uh, they couldn't handle it in the beginning. Yeah. They didn't know how they wanted to play. I think they yeah. figured maybe the Sounders would come up a bit more defensive yeah. and try to get a, a, a real road result, but then they saw that there was, there was pressure, there was attack, and they were breaking lines early on. Joe Paulo, obviously. Legit. He's good, huh? Yeah, he's legit. But the thing is, I don't think he's going to be a 10, though. But he no, it's okay. He doesn't need to be a 10, I don't Drop think. him deeper? Yeah. I think you keep him deeper because from what I saw is his ability to control a game and control tempo. And, and they're obviously lacking Nico, right? Yeah. And so that's a, sure, that's a big part sure. of it. So I think yeah. that he, his advancement in that game is a little bit 
Um, yeah. You know, it's not true. It's not realistic. But in that game, he did what he had it to do to, to, to get in the box. But, but then what are we doing? Are we moving Christian right and then either Gustav or Delem? I think Gustav, Gustav, Zhao, and then Nico ahead. Christian on the right. Jordan, Jordan on the left. left. It's pretty Rodriguez. good. With, yeah, so I don't, I don't know how you feel about this. Victor Rodriguez is gone. Roman's gone. Brad Smith is gone. I've maybe missed some others. Those were the significant ones in the offseason. Brad Smith, I thought, was exceptional the first half of last season. I think he, what he did is replaceable to an extent because you have Jordan playing out of his man on the left. I think Jovan can do it. Nuhu can do it to an extent. Maybe not to Brad's level, but to an extent. Roman, I think, I mean, the new guy, he's, wow, from what I saw. I mean, the guy's the size of my fridge at home. He's massive. He's <laughs> massive. But I don't know if to replace Victor. I don't know if you think this is this year's team. As it is, they could still add better than it was last year. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. Those are, in my mind, those are big players, and they were part of it. But we, we, we talked about this when they came. The yeah. same exact questions. are like, are these guys going to be able to fill roles that guys weren't here in the past? And they did that, and they exceeded it, I thought. Victor yeah. not was a little bit up and down, obviously, mm-hmm. throughout his career, but big moments, big yeah, games. He showed player. through, right? Really, really good player. Yeah. In training, you saw it. We probably saw it more than anybody, mm-hmm. right? Either being a part of training or being at trainings regularly. Yeah. Because that's yeah. actually where he played the most, yeah, you know? exactly. And, and trying to replace those guys will be difficult. But this team has always found a way to win, and that's been the addition of, of good players. But I think the left back area, Brad Smith's, yeah. is, is going to be really difficult. Who, who, who's, I'm going to put you on the spot, not who's better, but who would you play as the coach, Jovin or Nuhu, left back? I would play Joven. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 th- I just think um, his experience. Number one, um, you know, he can he can look lax at times, but yeah. that's part of his you know style, and that's what makes him successful. Actually, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't mention Kim because Kim as well. Kim's not here, yeah, so Kim's I don't know. You played with both Roman. Is, is Roman replaceable? Uh, I I do think he's replaceable. Yeah, yeah. Um, Roman at a hundred and ten percent not having gone through injuries and yeah. stuff. And, and yeah. Roman's mental side of the game was never where it should have been yeah. for this team. Um, there was always, it seemed like he was always pulled mm-hmm. in certain, whether it was contract, whether it was money, whether it was injuries, stuff focusing like that. Just, focusing on the World Cup one year. Where exactly. Just, yeah. You know, stuff like that, that just, he was never really yeah. there, you know. And, and yeah. even saying that, he won championships really and he was good, still yeah. really good, you know. So it'll, yeah. it'll be interesting with these two, uh, you know, especially with the, the newest addition at center back yeah. to see if he can kind of fill that role. Yeah. Still a little bit nervous about our center back situation right now, though. Yeah. I don't know how you think about, feel about this and stuff. I was thinking about, um, I, I don't know that Ziggy did it as much. I know it's a big thing Schmetz does where when the team's winning, they throw in an extra center back. Yeah. And I don't remember doing it as much with Ziggy there. Um, I personally, I'm not that big of a fan of it. I think it just shifts the team into a massive defensive mindset. And so I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know that it worked last night. You dropped deeper and deeper with three center backs. I don't know. The person knows that. You, being someone who was definitely more tuned to the defensive side of the game than I was. Um, yeah. <laughs> Way more. Yeah. How, how, how does that affect? Um, <laughs> it's the prevent defense, dude. It's, yeah. it's like in football. It's, it's prevent. You watch it and you know that something is going to happen when yeah. you see it going. But teams consistently do it. And the team was under pressure for the better yeah. part of the second half, right? Yeah. The whole time. And, and you're, they're hitting the posts. They're, mm-hmm. they're getting chances. Yeah. But still, there were a couple moments where the team broke out and were able to find Raul and, and break lines. But yeah. once you shift, you take a, midf- a creative midfielder off. 
um, you know, you, you go to five in the back, and then it's like a five-three. 1-1, one, one, and then it goes 5-4-1, and all of a sudden yeah. we're just adding, we're just inviting pressure, and then Raul gets tired. He's not pressuring their center backs. It's it's a difficult one, um, you know, and, and it's something that Schmetz, is, it's kind of been his go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's interesting yeah. to see. Um, you know, Chad was texting me last night during the game. He's like, oh, five in the back. Here we go again. He just said, has this ever worked out? It's like, to, And then the players just walk off frustrated when yeah. it happens, you know? I, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, we Tons to talk about. I want to... I said this, and I, you can talk to this. You think you played a lot more Champions League games than I did, so you can talk about this. I knew the 60th minute would be a massive thing just because I saw LAFC go for it. I saw um, Montreal go for it. Atlanta. All, I've watched every Champions League game this week, and you just... Four weeks of preseason is good. You have preseason games. You're playing down in Tucson. You're playing who you're playing. You cannot replicate, not even match fitness, but match sharpness, the timing, the movements, all that stuff. Um... For people that don't know, just how hard is it to push through? You hit that wall, 60th minute, and you you just don't have it. Just from that side, where Olympia, um, Leon for LAFC, and Saprissa for Montreal, they've played six, seven, eight, nine, ten games. They're flying. So yeah, for people that maybe not get it, how hard is that? Because I know for me as a player, I needed three, four, five, six games. I didn't start feeling good until late April, early May, and I'm like, okay, I've got my legs under me. I can play 90 minutes. So I can't imagine trying to play a game in February. So it like, feels like you're playing at altitude. Yeah. It's, it's what it feels like. You, you step into a situation like we would even play preseason games, I remember, prepping for Champions League against, uh, you know, second division Mexican, and they would run circles around <laughs> us. Yeah. Just run circles. And you're like, how do we catch up to these guys? It's not possible. Yeah. And so you're asking a lot of our teams. Yeah. Uh, in saying that, I think there were some really good results this week. So it says a lot about where yeah. this, this, this league has gone. Since, you know, the, the advent of this new sort of format, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in years past, it's always been the group format in the middle yeah. and we would crush these teams consistently. Yeah. But now you're having to play these teams, like you said, when they're got some games underneath them, yeah, it's, it's no joke. Yeah. It's, and they are playing for their lives. Yeah. And I've said this before. They are playing for contracts in MLS. Yeah. Exactly. Or, or MLS or, yeah, or exactly. in Mexico, it's, it's right? It's an audition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an audition. And you yeah. saw it last night. Guys are yeah. literally flailing to save a ball from <laughs> yeah. going out of bounds just so they, they can have an opportunity to get you know, an, another chance on goal. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's really, really difficult. It's especially when you play Liga MX teams, yeah. it becomes nearly impossible. Um, we go through, right? Sure. Yeah, for sure. For Have sure. To. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I would for sure. Say. When we come here, it's, it's a whole different ball game on yeah. turf. As long as, you know, the, the games that I always liked at home were the mm-hmm. games where, and, and, for some reason, Salt Lake always comes to mind. They would always come in here in, a, in that four four two diamond, uh, and they would not be able to connect their passes early on. Yeah, and that always gave me a sense of like, all right, here we go. Yeah. This is ours. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And as soon as teams start to do that, if you can capitalize on that, it's it's pretty much game I, over. I, I actually wanted to watch Salt Lake on, at, at the last part because I actually want to ask you who the best team we played, and they're they're, they're going to be one of them. Um, all good. All right, we're gonna. I want to talk more about like the all the bigger picture of the Liga MX and. Um, MLS, how you close that gap, obviously the CBA as well, and then maybe even look more in depth at some of these offseason moves. We'll do that right when we come back. And I did have a chance to be in Long Beach and speak with Brian Schmetz, so we'll give you a little sound bite and snippet of that. And uh, who got booked? Was it him or was it Gonzo? I don't know. Couldn't tell. I think it was Gonzo. Probably, probably Gonzo. If, if, it's, Gonzo. If, if it's anybody jarring at the, at the official, it's Gonzo for has sure. Gonzo, Especially right. if it's a Spanish uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to find out. But stay tuned. We're coming right back on, I guess we've got to change the name. Winging it with Zach and Brad. I like that one. All right, we'll come right back. Stay tuned. Oh, it's a terrific 
ball. What a and ball. And it's Sao Paulo in his debut for the Sounders. Uh, hello, Seattle. My name is Jao Paulo. All right, welcome back. We're still here. Um, just Zachary and Brad. Um, just having a chat about what we saw last night. But away from Sounders, I mean, we've talked about this in the past before. And you said, I think the results were good this week. And I think in a one-off game now, or one season, an MLS team can win. Like, I think the Sounders have a great chance to win Champions League this year. But when I think year in, year out, you want to be there with Tigres and Santos Laguna and Monterrey and Club America, all these teams... MLS, something has to change. MLS has to do more to help the club from the league level because as good as LAFC is, as good as the Sounders are, you know, Atlanta, these are some of the best teams ever in this country. There's still a gap with the Mexican team. So uh, I think squad depth is one, obviously. I don't know that you can change anything in the schedule. I don't know. Like, yeah, what do you think? How do you you close that gap? Well... Right now, it's an advantage for those teams. And yeah. then if I think if you put it any later or middle of the season, I don't know, because we have to know all the intricacies between if there's going to be a gold cup, if there's yeah. going to be, you know. So right now, we don't bump up hardly against anything. It's, yeah. it's impossible to do it in the summer because mm. at some point, it's going to be a gold cup, a world cup, a Copa America, Copa America whatever it is, yeah. right? So that's impossible. So I, I don't know if there's an easy way. If you, if, it's, it's impossible, man. Can you stop season even possible. earlier or just no way? I don't think that I don't think the guys will do it. Yeah. I think the CBA will say no. Although this offseason has been the first time where I've heard players say, you know, I was talking with Sasha Kushin. Mm-hmm. He's been off since November. Yeah. Like early, early, yeah. right? Like November one pretty much. And that's a long yeah. offseason. And yeah. for him to say that as an older player, yeah. usually when you get older you're like, you man, I'll the, take you, 6 you months, right? Yeah, you want yeah. You want the time, but even he's like, man, this is too long. So maybe things will start to shift and now that we've ended the season earlier. Mm-hmm. Can we then move up preseason a bit earlier? Yeah. But then like you said, how do you replicate these games? Like that, is that, 3 weeks actually yeah. going to help you that much when you're playing against top Liga yeah. MX teams who are six, and the thing is, people 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 think, oh, Leon is six games into the season. That's true, but they have two seasons, right? And it's only like a ten day break That's between it. the seasons, so Small. they're like 20, 30, 40 right. games into a season. They're, they're fit, it. so I don't know, man. I don't know. I watched the LAFC game, and I mean, it could have been five, six, to be honest. But they also had chances. I just think, what would happen if LAFC played them in August, played them in June, when Vela's flying, Rossi's flying? What would happen if Sounders went to Olympia after 10, 15 games? I mean, we'd kill that Olympia team. So I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know that there is a fix. I don't know how... Or the other thing you do then is how we build our squads. Like, I know the CBA was good, but do, can you throw even more money between for players 14 through 26? It's all about money. That's what I, I think in the next five years we win this tournament. Yeah. I don't know if this year... We beat, I think, well, who would it be, Tigres in the that's semifinal? That's the in the semifinal, yeah. Right? And yeah. That's, that's a tough, that's a, that's, a, yeah. that's a tough matchup, man. Yeah. You're asking a lot of guys who are in, you know, and we've done it before. We've played Tigres. We yeah. got smoked yeah. down there. We yeah. had a good result here. Yeah. But then you, got, you still got to go down there, man. Yeah. If you can go down there first and be okay and then come home, that's a different ball game. True. But as soon as you have that home game and then you got to go down there, it's so difficult. Yeah. yeah. And if you're talking about playing these games in August, then you're looking at a possible final heading into mm-hmm. the postseason as you're starting to set up your team for the postseason. Yeah. It's, I don't know, man. It's tough. That's tough. <sighs> it's tough. too tough. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Um, let's flip to... I want to know, because I have my answer, what the best soundest team you played on was, because somebody asked that, and I ask it from the perspective of not results-wise, because for me, results-wise, the 2014 team 
and the 2016 team are the two best discards produced, just from results-wise. 2014 with Supporter Shield was the Auburn, Clint Shaw. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And in 2016, obviously, when Nico came, Schmetz took over. Results-wise, not going to argue. But just the best team, and for its time, we've got to adjust for what a 2009 roster would look like to... Uh, I mean, our 20, 2019 will get killed in 2020, but yep. for 2009, where we were, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, what, what would you say the best team you played on the sound is? And it could be the 14 or 16, I don't know. I, I, I honestly thought it's, it's either 9 or four, or 14 for really? me. I thought the first year was just... It was a good team. It man. was so good, man. We were good. Yeah. And, and it was it, just how the how the team was built yeah. was just different back then, yeah. right? It's it's really hard to make these comparisons That's because you start... The, what, but the salary cap was at least <laughs> twice as much now, yeah, right? Maybe low. more. Yeah. And so... That's a difficult one, but it was just a group of hardworking guys that just kind of got it all at yeah. the same time. And, yeah. and at moments in that season, we're flying, you know, just absolutely yeah. flying. But 14, if we're talking about, like, beautiful goals, beautiful play, it, and, and big players and all yeah. being able to work together, yeah. like, that was a big year, too. I, I don't know what you're going to think of this. So for me, and I've been consistent with this, the most underachieving, but the most talented team I was a part of, and I'll explain why, was 2013. Because when I think back to that team, I think back to the trainings. So we had, obviously, us two were on the team. Then you had an aging Shari, but still Shari Joseph, one of the best players ever in MLS. Mm-hmm. Mauro Rosales. So our wing depth, for example, was me, Mauro, Mauro Martinez, and Lamar Nagel. That was your four wingers. You had you, Ozzy Alonso. You had Jimmy Traore, DeAndre Yedlin. You had Eddie, Clint when he came, Oba. That's nine or ten players right there. They could play anywhere. Unbelievable players. Yeah. And I remember our trainings were so high level, they were. but we self-destructed. Yep. It just was. We didn't achieve. Went to Portland, got killed. Whatever. It wasn't. But talent-wise, I don't know. I've been on a better team than that. Like just uh, just for players, individual players, and how good everyone was at that time. I don't know. I have a hard time. It was no one, no one remembers it because it was so bad how we played. How, well, it just finished it, bad. bad. We it actually, just finished bad. Yeah. But there were, te- there were games where we ran over people. We beat, ran over teams. We beat, we beat, was it Tigres we beat here? Yeah. Yeah, with DeAndre scoring and Jimmy yep. scoring. And, and we had a good team. It was a good team. But that, yeah, talk about self-destruct though. Like there was yeah. stuff in that locker room yeah. from early on that, that you just saw like, man, yeah. the talent is amazing. Yeah. And Ziggy had yeah. no control that it, it year. Just, it was bad. It I was mean, way yeah. over Zig's head, way over Schmetzer's yeah. head, everyone's yeah. head. Adrian could, couldn't yeah. control anything no. no matter what we did, you know? I always wonder. It's too much. Because social media stuff wasn't as prevalent. Then if a lot of the access people have now, if they saw some of, some of the stuff we saw there, there was, I mean, people kind of know the stuff he's talked about. There was the Eddie Johnson and Marcus Hanneman incident, I remember. Yeah. There was Eddie and Schmetz. There was Eddie and Ziggy. So Eddie was in Eddie pretty much Clint. Them. Eddie and Clint. Yeah. And I was in bad. training. I remember. So there was so yeah. much and, stuff. I mean, year before that was, <laughs> was that the year before that? That was Eddie and Freddie? Eddie and Freddie, Eddie training. and Freddie in training. Yeah. Yeah. Ed, yeah. Ed, yeah, Eddie. Everyone paints like this brilliant, pretty picture, and, and all we see is like yeah, these pictures, right? And, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Trophies and celebration. Yeah, but behind the scenes, it's like sometimes it's just utter chaos. It, it was not. That's true. That year was nuts. I remember Adrian calling me and uh, at one point that season and saying to me, he "says Look, man, like I know you're good friends with Eddie." You just talk to him and just have... It's like in August or September. Just tell him, just screw his head on, finish the season strong. 
we can address everything in the offseason because right now I don't know if I'm going to wake up on a Monday morning and he'll be front page of Seattle Times. He's yeah. done something on the weekend. Like I just can't live that way. And yeah. I was like, I'll do my best. And I tried. <laughs> we took can't. Eddie's Twitter account. He made a new one. He'd be up at 4 a.m. on a game day tweeting Tupac lyrics like me against the world. We'll have a big playoff game. It, it was nuts. But... Talent-wise, that team was good, man. It was talented. That team Everyone was, was kind of in their prime at that point, too. That's the too, thing. People right? were good, good players. Yeah. Really good players. Fit. Yeah. Everyone On the flip side, the best team we played. Who's the best team we played? Salt Lake. I agree. Yeah. I think people underestimate Jason Christ. Team. I'm trying yeah. to, I'm trying at to Salt Lake was nearly impossible. You, you couldn't get a ball. I remember it felt like I won the World Cup when we won a game there. Yeah, we couldn't get a ball. The Draw closest we, I think 2010, we were winning 2-1. And then they scored in the 96th minute. They scored from a corner. I remember that. I was talking to Pat Yanni last night, and we were trying to remember their midfield four. I know it was Kyle Beckerman, Andy Williams, good player. Yeah. Javier Morales. And was it Will Johnson? Will Johnson. That four. Yeah. And they would tuck in super narrow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Super narrow. Like and then the wingers fly. Yeah. And, and, and they a, would just pat spin the rock. would be free. But you know what I remember most is watching them warm up before a game. No team I've seen since then has yeah. warmed up like them. It's, really? it's, they're in <laughs> tiny little boxes that you would take like under fives to do a training session, right? A little square. And they would literally just sit there and pass the ball back and forth in all these different combinations, little one-twos, small spaces. And then yeah. you're like, how are these guys warm right now? Yeah. Well, we're doing like yeah. Dave Tinney's got us yeah. running yeah. as yeah. long and I as hard as we can up the field. Yeah. We're playing 5v5 on this massive grid. I, I and then we play against this Salt Lake team that's literally passing the ball and doing little juggling and balls in the air. Yeah. And I'm like, how is this yeah. team going to be ready? And then they yeah. just run circles around Yeah, you. That reminds me of Boston. We played Barcelona and then after the game, the guys who didn't play much came out and they'll do like sprints, whatever, to make up the fitness. And our guys were sprinting and Iniesta never played. And he came out with one coach that had one ball, he had five or six short passes and went back inside. That's <laughs> like, and that's Andres Iniesta. Great stuff. All right. We're going to send you to Schmetz, this talk took place before the game last night, obviously. It was um, a couple of weeks back in Long Beach. Had a chance to sit down with Brian Schmetzer. We'll give that to you right now, and then we'll come back and we'll preview next week's second leg and then take a few questions that you guys sent in on Twitter. So enjoy this little snippet from Brian Schmetzer. Coach, always great to see you. Um, it feels like the off-season for me has flown by. Is it the same for you, or were you able to actually enjoy what your team did last year or was it a case of getting right into prepping for 2020? Well, I would say, Steve, that it's good to see you as always. Happy to have you come down here to sunny Southern California. Uh, we're out here on the pool deck of the Renaissance Hotel and it's great to have you here. Have I reflected back on the championship? I would say that I've had some initial reflection. It was a really great day for Seattle. I mean, it was fantastic for the players, the coaching, the organization, but then again, for the whole city, that's what kind of, you know, that's what I flecked on. It's, it's one of those things that may never happen again. I mean, I hope it happens again, certainly in my lifetime as a coach or lifetime as a fan of the club, but, you know, to host a MLS Cup in front of the home fans, 70,000 people. That was a special day. Now, after the euphoria of about a week of enjoying myself, yeah, then it was back to work. And, and then we had to get back to work. So this has come on fairly quickly. But I would say that the difference between 2016 and 2017 and 2019 and 2020, we've had a couple of extra weeks. So I've taken full advantage of those two extra weeks. Glad to hear it. 
the first real game is really, really soon. So yeah. is, is there a sense of urgency in the camp or would that maybe come later as you get closer? Like what, what do you feel right now? Because it's coming up in a few weeks here. Yeah. So that's, a, that's an interesting question because, you know, we have now here in camp, you know, we're missing a few pieces. And I was actually having a conversation with some of the veteran players, and there's a lot of young kids here, which we love. I mean, we love, I love having the academy kids and the defiance kids, but it's almost the ratio is unbalanced. There's more young kids than senior players. So it's got a funny vibe, this camp. You know, the, the veteran players are almost, you know, in the minority. And so how we deal with that, how we push the group, how do we get the fitness out of this stage has been interesting. I think that will ramp up when we go to Mexico. I think that's when everybody's looking forward to, okay, here we go. These are the games, it's the tactical phase, and we really need to have everybody there in Mexico to you know, really do the preparations for Olympia. I know you as a coach that loves to work with young players, but having three or four is one thing. Having 20, yeah. 25 is a different thing. How do you as a coach and a coaching staff sort of manage the veteran guys to make sure they're not getting frustrated because the quality won't be where it will be in Mexico. How do you kind of keep the Raul Ruiz Diaz and the Kelvin Leardams and the Gustavs from saying, guys, stay with me, get what you got to get from this, don't get frustrated? So I'll just tell you a story. And you mentioned Raul. The story has to do with Raul. So we were in training the other day and we're having a possession game and it wasn't going well. Some of the younger players, a few bad passes, and Raul, you could just see the body language, you know, he's kind of, you know, you know, saying, come on, let's go, da, da, da. And he was clearly frustrated about the level of play, but I didn't know exactly the level of play that he was talking about. So after training, I had a word with him, and I had Gonzo interpreting, because my Spanish and his English, we still haven't quite gotten there yet. And what Raul said was, he was frustrated not with the player's technical ability. And this is a key point for all of the young players watching. And this is what I love about Raul and some of the senior players that we've had at this club for over the years, is Raul was more concerned that the young players, when they made a mistake, their reaction to the errant pass or the mistake that they made in his mind wasn't that, okay, I'm not going to make that mistake again and I want to do better. And it was really a learning moment. And I actually had Raul in front of the group at dinner, you know, explain that. And we made it a teaching moment for the kids that, yeah, everybody makes a bad pass here, bad pass there, but what you do after that mistake is important. So I loved it. Amazing, love that. Um, we know there's no easy games in this sport. I think the reaction to the Champions League draw was uh, from the fan base was a relief. You didn't get one of the big <laughs> yeah. Mexican teams. Yeah. What was your reaction to the draw? We're going to Honduras to play a really good team our first round with no, you know, very limited training time. Uh, they'll be four, three or four games into their season. That's not going to be an easy game. I mean. We learned, you know, last time out in El Salvador against Santa Tecla, we lost that game 2-1. And so those can be trap games. Now we've learned from that experience. I've learned from that experience. We're going to bring a, you know, a good squad down there. 
But, you know, that's not going to be an easy match whatsoever. And then, yeah, people that want to try and, you know, find out what the future holds for us and all that. I mean, Saprissa, Montreal, you might think that's easy, but Thierry Henry is coaching now. Montreal might have a rebirth. Saprissa is not an easy place to play. I mean, that's a very, very good team. So people might say we had a you know, favorable draw, but that's not necessarily the case. What, players go in the off-season, they get the fitness programs, they travel from parts of their game. What does a coach do to get yeah. better in the off-season? Well, this year I went to uh, Argentina to scout for some players, but I was also watching a couple youth games and you know, talking to people and just kind of you know, re-educating myself about you know the culture of that country and how soccer is so important for players to you know be successful it's it's a poor country it's not you know it's not the wealthiest country in the world and so these players are playing for their livelihood and they're trying to get to river or boca or you know rosario they're trying to get to those teams and be successful and you know that was uh eye-opening for me again how it relates to some of the academy kids that are coming out of Laurelhurst or, you know, Lake City or somewhere like that. So, Steve, to answer your question about how do coaches get better in the off-season with their off-season workouts, you know, sometimes you live vicariously through others. And I have the, I, I have the benefit of living vicariously through Preki, Gonzo, and Jimmy. Preki did his pro, UEFA pro refresher course Jimmy is now starting his UEFA Pro. Gonzuin is the thick of his UEFA A license coaching. And every day I come to work, I have the benefit of hearing their stories, their new ideas, their, you know, schools about how they're educating themselves. So I am so lucky to have those guys. And I can, I can stay in Seattle and get better as a coach because, you know, my assistants are getting better. In terms of keeping the team strong, competitive, getting better and better, from the outside it's simple as, oh, Roman's gone, get someone to replace Roman. Victor's gone, let's replace Victor. From the coaches, is it as simple as player in, player out? Or when you go about building your squad, is it, do you see maybe other areas where you want are strengthened that we maybe haven't thought of yet? Yeah. Um... I would, well, let me talk personally about those two players that you mentioned, Victor and Roman. Obviously, Victor's contribution in the final was, well, not just the final, throughout the whole year, even with his injuries, was, was important because he actually helped us erase the slow start, Seattle Sounders slow start uh, you know, narrative. You know, we came in those first six games and we were dynamite, and Victor was a big part of that. You know, Roman, for all of his years here, I can't say enough about, you know, what a good guy he was in the clubhouse, in the locker room. You know, his personality, his ability in big games to find a way to make an impact in big games was second to none amongst our group. And we're losing a couple of really good characters. And so it's hard. It's not just as easy as, you know, players back and forth. And so how I would say from a tactical standpoint, 
the challenges there are, okay, Ramon might be a little simpler because, you know, center backs, it's pretty cerebral position. You know, you're, you're, you're there, you have a partner, Javier, Kim, Chad Marshall. We'll figure that out. But in, but in Victor's case, I think Brad Smith was a tremendous player for us. But that was because he had Victor in front of him. And look, we might not get Brad again. We might not have Brad, and it might be a different dynamic. But Brad with Jordan in front of him was different than Brad with Victor. So the challenge of, you know, just bringing a new player in, replacing one of the players that has left, there's a little bit more nuance to it. And, you know, certainly we have been fortunate at this club to have some very, very good, talented players, yourself included, at this club. And, you know, the trick is always get pairs working together, you know, lines. And so it's not just one for one. It's somehow how that player plays with the guys, you know, in the same area of the field. A um, couple more for you. One of them being not just the Sounders, but we've seen Toronto and other teams really push for the CCL and then the MLS form suffers. Is it possible for an MLS team to really go all out and yet not find themselves 20 points behind the playoff line in June or whatever it is? How do you stay competitive in both? It's going to happen at some point. I think the narrative that, you know, MLS with the travel, the way we play, the cities we play in, in Dallas in July, New York with the humidity in July, afternoon games at 12 o'clock, it takes its toll. I, I completely understand that. You put a lot of mental energy into CCL tournament and then they're tired in the middle, there's injuries in the middle and does that push you towards a you know, horrible ending and you're not able to make the playoffs. I get all that. What I think that this club has always had is a better mentality than most clubs. I think when times are tough, we have always found ways to kind of right the ship. And, you know, maybe last year we, you know, it was the San Jose game away where Jordan scores in the 90th minute. We get Roman's header against Minnesota to get us into second. I mean, this club has always found ways to persevere. And so I think we're a little different than Kansas City and some of the other teams that have struggled because we have a better mentality and we will attack the CCL competition in the best way we can. We'll use our sports science staffs to try and measure and make sure we're making good decisions. And we'll try and balance both competitions because they're, they're, it's extremely important to not sacrifice one for the other. Love it. And last but not least, I want to know what your messaging at this early stage is to the team at the moment. Is it, are you setting goals saying, let's try to win this many trophies or get this point amount? What's your approach in terms of letting the team know what the standard should be? We have, we have so far, until everybody is here, not had the, these are our objectives. Uh, since it's kind of a split squad with younger players, some senior players, we're still adding players. What I would say to you is the message has been very succinct in this one area. We made it to be champions. We're going to learn from 2016 and 2017 and we're going to raise the bar. In 2017, I thought, you know, we were a little complacent. It was like we had won a championship, our first championship, and it was an emotional, it was an emotional time. I mean, we were all going, this is great. And it was like, okay, what do we do now? Well. 
I have challenged the equipment staff, Nolan and his staff, Chris Cornish and the medical staff, the sports science department, the coaching staff, and the players. Organizationally, I've challenged everyone to say, let's make 2019 even better. Let's try and raise the standard, which is challenging. I mean, 2019 was fantastic, but that's our, that's our goal. Coach, always a pleasure and best of luck this season. Thank you, Steve. All right, we're back. Last little bit here. Um, we're going to get into some things. We want to talk about the signings. The two big signings was obviously Yamar, centre-back, built like a tank, and Joao Paulo. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I actually had a chance to speak with him. His English is actually really good. Yeah, but he, yeah he's really good English. And um, a producer, Ryan Schaber, told me that when the signing was announced, Brazilian Twitter went into meltdown. Like, they couldn't believe that he was sold because he's really highly thought of. And I always think... When a new this is I don't know how you think about it. when a new signing comes for me within I would say three or four sessions I can see if they're going to be good or not yeah like I can see and then that you, you earn the respect right away like this guy good and then it might take him a while to settle in the games that's fine but if you can see them in training you can see and what I've heard from about this guy is that he's legit legit yeah. yeah so I thought he played really well last night I don't really care that he scored that great but he's not here for that um but what i liked was he was pointing and telling yep, guys where to exactly. go like he's a natural captain almost um so i think it'd be a massive signing um i don't know who you play next to him i have some thoughts on that but what your overall impressions on joao paulo the signing what he can add to the team and things like that yeah i think it's massive it's a massive step for the club I, i'm always nervous about brazilian players coming to mls mm. like you try to name maybe you could name two or three that have done really well i mean kaka obviously yeah. is, is world class um, Nani hard. has now done better, yeah. but it's taken him a while to really get into it. It's hard, uh, yeah. Fabinho, I guess, is, okay. you know, okay, Judah Baptista right? came, he wasn't great. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's tough, and that's always a roll of the dice, especially yeah. when it's a DP. But this guy doesn't play like a typical mm -hmm. Brazilian. Right? Yeah. When you think of Brazilians, you think of stepovers, you yeah. think of anything. This guy's hard-nosed, man, yeah. and I like that. Um, yeah. I think he adds a little bit of bite. I'm, I'm nervous more about Christian than I am about Zhao being successful on the team. In what sense, Christian? Um, I know that he can play multiple positions, and, and I've gone, that, I've gone mm -hmm. through that before, you know, um, and it just makes me a little bit nervous because last night I thought uh, Christian was, was really good, mm -hmm. but I, and last year I thought he was really, really good. Yeah. And, and he moved yeah. around quite a bit, but I, I like him sitting in front of the center backs. Yeah. Um, so can he still produce and be consistent uh, in one position if he's going to play out on the right? That's a that's yeah. a question mark. So it's um you know it, it's a difficult one, but I think that this signing is uh, is a step in the right direction to solidifying that yeah. uh, cent center of the park. Who, who goes next to um, next to him next to Joao Paulo? Because I, I think Delem is very underrated. Yeah, I think for the job he does, I think he's criminally underrated. Now, is he better than Gustav? I don't know. Does he have the legs over Gustav at this point? Maybe. Um, Delem, he wasn't always my favorite in terms of the possession, but breaking up plays, getting stuck in, winning tackles, doing as he's told, and now he's passing and proving. I don't know, man. I think he pushes Gustav close. That's the biggest thing for me is the passing. Gustav's yeah. got to stay healthy. Otherwise, Jordi can find himself getting five, six games yeah. in a row, and it'll, it'll be tough. It's yeah. a tough one. Yeah. Um, my, my other concern is how this team is going to play. In, in the past, they've had center backs who can actually play out of the back and really yeah. find long diagonals and, and, yeah. and play through the lines. Yeah. Yeah. Can these center backs do that? 
I think the addition, I think Gustav is a better passer than Jordy. Mm -hmm. So if it comes down to that, if you can have Zhao and Gustav getting the ball off the center backs, I think it makes your team a little bit more uh, unpredictable in the way that they're going to build out of the back. Yeah, yeah. And you have no worries whatsoever, Zhao, when he played, because he was very influential last night, that when Nico comes and takes some of those touches, that it will be an issue. You don't think so? I don't think so. I I don't think so. I think Zhao is more of a connector than a playmaker. Mm. And I think that's two big distinctions. There's a a big difference there. And I think he'll be okay because Nico always overruns things. Yeah. And Zhao, if he's smart, he can sneak in behind and be that almost like a second number 10 to pick up balls and play from there. So it actually gives Nico a bit more freedom to move forward, which I think will be interesting to see. There's him, the centre-back we mentioned. What's, under, what's not spoken about much is not only Roman and Kim, but Chad yep. also left middle of last year. So you've lost three centre-backs in less than 12 months, really. And Ariaga, I mean, I'm starting to like what I see from him. I know he definitely should have given away three penalties against LAFC. <laughs> like he was killing, that crazy, ca- bro. killing Carlos Vega, that's, killing that's him. Um, but I love it. So I like, I like what I'm seeing more. Yema will see more and more of than it's Shane O'Neill. Are you happy with the centre-back depth? I'm not. Not with the depth, no. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm not sold as of yet on the two center backs. Mm. Um, they're guys that don't have experience in MLS. Yeah. They've got experience in our region, yes, but not in MLS. Yeah. So when they yeah. get with two dynamic strikers, it's going to be really interesting to see what these guys do. Because yeah. um, there were times where their head was on a swivel last night, and they, they got caught a couple times, mm-hmm. m- more than a couple times. Yeah. In saying that, physical specimens, yes. Passing ability out of the back, to be determined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if historically that's the way our team wants to play right yeah is we want it we want to have the ball as much as possible especially at home yeah then you factor in turf are these guys used to playing on turf it'll be interesting yeah um but they have the physical capabilities yes um do you think it's enough yeah i i would i would i would say no i would say the defensive depth for me isn't there um, I'm, I feel way more confident about the team going forward than defensively. I think Jordan is figured out what he needs to do. You're playing on the left. You're faster than everybody. You get the ball, push right. it. Yeah. That's what you do. Nothing else. Don't worry about anything else. Do that. Obviously, Nico is Nico. Raul is Raul. Christian will do a job where he is. I think going forward, Jovin, when he gets... The thing about him, because I thought he was the best left back in MLS when he was first here. Yeah. Um, but he's never fit. I don't get that. Like, I've never, like, listen, I train with my high school team and I get in shape in two weeks. And that's just high school level. I, I don't know how you can train. Every time I go in the locker room and he, see this guy. He's not in shape. He's not in shape. But he's so it's good. Like, what are you I, doing, man? <laughs> he went to Germany. And those, those preseasons, he said that was the fittest he's ever been. And then he came back last year. And it was like, what, what could possibly, what could you be doing in a week and a half to not be the fittest guy on the team? Uh, I don't know. I don't understand. Yeah. But he's a question mark. But I would still right now play him above Nuhu, I think. I know the fans love Nuhu, and I like Nuhu. Joven's better. Joven is, well, yeah. obviously, he's a way better soccer player. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of the, the mental side of the game and what he's seen and experienced. Yeah. Physical capabilities, Nuhu right now is leaps and bounds above <laughs> Joven. Yeah. And I don't know if it's actually Joven's lack of physical no, capabilities, yeah. I think it's just all in his head sometimes, just, just right? doesn't do it, yeah. New, but yeah, I don't yeah. think there's anybody on that team that tells Joven, hey, let's go. And I think back yeah. then you saw oh, yeah. four in the back that were like, oh, yeah. you wouldn't let this guy skate oh, along, no, you know? And Casey and if you did, them, yeah, no, no, then you no, get no. out. You yeah, go sit on the bench yeah. if you want to, right? Yeah, that's so, one thing I've always, yeah, I've always, I said that for the past few years. I don't see that. I don't know. I know Stefan Fry's a voice in there. I don't know how much Roman was. I don't know if Nico's that kind of captain. But in the early years, I'm, from everyone from Taylor Graham, who's upstairs, to yeah. Zach Scott, yourself, Casey Keller, Mal. James Riley, Mar- Riley, it, it was, the, the training was hard. 
it was this level of like, we, we got, and it took me maybe five or six months my rookie year to figure out, you got to train that way every single day because I could dribble two or three guys in a small side of the game and score and feel good. And then Casey's in my head, yeah. like, try, and I, it, I've... He's don't, still in your head. Yeah, Casey, yeah. He's still, to be honest, I still see him every day. So he still is, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who in the locker room Who's is holding tell. people accountable? Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a big that's question. A, that's a great question, yeah. That's been a question last year, too. Yeah, it's a great me. question. Um, so, okay, so before we go, next week, we both said it's a win. Do you have a prediction scoreline or no? Uh, it's either 1-0 or 2-1. Or yeah, see, I don't think... But it, it could be a runaway. Uh, yeah. It could be like this team comes in yeah. they're totally shell-shocked. Yeah. They expended yeah. so much energy yeah. last yeah. night that yeah. this game yeah. could be one where they're just... They can't keep up. Yeah, you know? I think two early goals, I think Seattle wins. I think... I, I would go as far as 3-0. Yeah. I, I just don't see... It. The only great equalizer is the fitness. Yeah. That's what might make it, it close. Yeah. The ability, the talent, the playing style, the players. If if Nico is back, you know, we'll see. Even don't even need him probably. Um, I think it's definitely, definitely a win. All right. So we're gonna close off this podcast and every podcast with one big thing from myself, one big thing from Brad Evans. For me, the one big thing I would say is I'll keep it in relation to next week's game specifically, is a fast start. The worst thing, I mean, that team had, I think, at 1.13 corners to sound a zero. Like, you can't have that. They can't come to CenturyLink and start peppering it shots at Stephen Fry and getting corners. Happen. I just can't see it. No. But the start, you always, it's cliche in sports and, you know, and coaches use it all the time, the first 15 win it. But it, it's true. It's important. Sounders come out ready to play on the front foot, first 15, get a couple shots on goal, get the crowd going, the crowd that will be there. Hopefully, we'll see what that turnout is. Score early, I think it's over, man. I, I just, I, I, I don't think there's a way back. I think there's last, no way yeah, back for them. Score early, score a second. So that the start, the start is the one big thing you have to start really, really well next week. I think. Agree, agree. Yeah. Um, so we all know this tournament is massive. Mm-hmm. How much does it mean to the fans? That's the biggest thing. And, yeah. and 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 or why doesn't it mean that much to fans? Because yeah. they don't come out in droves like they do for a regular season game. Why no. is that? Yeah, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't you, understand. You, this hit, is, you hit Champions League and Champions League. You hear yeah. Champions League. You see it on TV weekly, yeah. right? You yeah. hear Garth talk about it. This yeah. is our number one priority right now. We're going to make these signings yeah. to make a run at Champions League. Quotes in the press from Schmetz. We can win this tournament. Yeah. How do we get this to be a uh, symbolic meaning for the club? How do we add this trophy to our mm-hmm. trophy case? As, yeah. as we sit here, it would be amazing, right? Yeah. It would be an amazing yeah. accomplishment because what comes with this tournament ultimately is money for the players, yeah. which is a motivating factor, but it's also playing in the Club World club Cup, world cup yeah. which is insane yeah. to think about the Sounders being on the same venue, possibly the same hotel as yeah. you know the biggest clubs in the world. In a real game. In a real game yeah. where everyone's fit. Right, yeah. we're at the we're yeah. usually at you know the middle of our season when that tournament goes on. Sometimes yeah. it's mm-hmm. you know towards the end yeah. of the year, but it's yeah. uh, it's a big deal. So how do we get these guys to to understand that this tournament means so much to the guys, yeah. um, but also understanding that the league well, yeah well, how, is so difficult. How do we do? I don't know. Like I really don't know because I, mean, I know as a player I cared. Like because I, I just think growing up in Europe and everyone even grew up in Europe, UEFA Champions League is Champions League. That's the highest level. So the best team in your region means something. But I don't know that that's translated to all the fan bases in this country. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Point, there, yeah. There's no. I don't think there's a good answer. Maybe somebody could write in and, and, and give yeah. their opinion and we can dissect yeah. it a little bit. Huh? Yeah, yeah. you guys, as always, send the questions in on Twitter. Um, we'll try our best to answer a few every single week. But that's it. That's what we got time for. Obviously, went a bit long this week just because we're getting our feet under us um, in preseason form. But we'll, we'll get it going right away. Um, Sounders versus Olympia next Thursday night I think it'll be on Fox Soccer 2 again 
Yes, I'm getting the nod that I'm right. My information is correct. <laughs> so it'll be there. If you can't watch on TV, obviously, obviously go there in person to support the team, um, predicting a win. And then shortly after that, it's MLS. Sounders at home to Chicago, home opener for the reigning champions. We'll be back this time next week, recapping leg two and previewing the MLS 25th season opener. And yes, there was a question about the kit. I'll answer that next week. What I think we can about dive into that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. As always, thanks for tuning in. This has been Winging It with Zach and Brad. We'll be back next week.